This is the Alone With Our Principles podcast, episode 16. Just when you think you found your way, life will throw you onto a new path. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric, and we're both elementary school principals in the Hesperia Unified School District in Southern California. On this episode, we talk about managing change in life, in work, and during a global pandemic. Our guests are elementary school principal Renee Singer and elementary assistant principal Christy Cuevas. Alone with our principals is unofficially sponsored by Zoom. A year ago, nobody had ever heard of it, but now even your grandmother knows when to tell you to unmute yourself. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. I'm the principal, man. All right. Well, welcome, ladies. How are we doing today? Very well. Good. 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 It's good to have you both. It's good to finally get this. I know it took us a while to get together, but finally have this episode get recorded. We're excited to chat with you today. Um... We would like to start by just letting our audience get to know each of you a little bit. So, uh, Christy, why don't you go first? You want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, anything you'd like to share, background, experience, or otherwise? Let's see. I started teaching in Hesperia Unified School District, I think, back in 2007, 2008, something like that. And then um, I worked with uh, both Chris as my principal, as a teacher. Uh, and co-taught with Carrie, um, the editor, and um, and I taught elementary school, and then I moved to junior high school, and then I moved into administration. And I have three children, and many animals, and I live in mountains. We have an animal here with us today. Carrie, why don't you introduce our special guest? Oh, no. With us, as always, is our technical <laughs> advisor and fact checker, Carrie. And Carrie, who do you have with you today? I actually have my dog here today, so I apologize to everyone. <laughs> and right now, she's staying calm. She's in my lap, and um, you might hear some grunts, growls, and barks, so hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully those are from the dog. Yes. <laughs> we make no guarantees. Absolutely. Mr. Renee, how about you? Um, well, it's actually funny. Christy and I have very similar paths um, here in Hesperia. I moved out here in 2000. They plucked me. Hesperia came and did interviews in Indiana um, at Ball State where I went to college. And I accepted the job having known nothing or seen anything except some pictures. And came out here in 2000. So I started teaching. I was at um, Mesa Grande for 13 years where I also worked with Carrie. So I've known her for a long time. And um, then I moved into junior high and worked at Cedar Middle School for a few years, and then I moved into administration. So, um, and also uh, got to work with Mr. Mogger at Cottonwood mm -hmm. for four years as his assistant principal. This is like the Cottonwood episode. It is. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, yeah, except for one person. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I also have, I have two boys. They're men. They're 20 and 21, so they're giant. And several animals as well. So I thought, wow. Christy and I are a lot alike. <laughs> a lot of things in common. 
You know, I'm very intrigued to hear about this shift from elementary to, to middle school. Yeah. Both yeah. Common. I know it's going to come up later in our topics, but uh, that's that's interesting. Not many people can say that. You've just started school, and the path you choose now may be the one you follow for the rest of your life. All right, so we're going to jump into what we like to call the quiz. And so the questions are the same every week. So if you've listened to our podcast, you'll know. If you haven't listened, we're going to know that as well. Uh, so uh, we're going to start with our first question, which, is again, is always the same. So, Renee, I'll start with you this time. Tell us a funny or memorable story from when you were in school. Oh, gosh, there are so many, but I will just stick with one. Um, one of my embarrassing moments in high school was I was a manager for the baseball team because I really like baseball, so I liked keeping the books, and of course there was boys, so that was good. <laughs> um, so we had, pra I mean, in our school, it was hardcore. We had practice. We started way early. We In Indiana, it's cold in the winter, and we would be outside, you know, rain or shine, whatever, and it was raining. It was spring break. So we were all off of school, but we were still having baseball practice. And so it started raining, so we ended practice, and I'm running to my friend who lives near me who's taking me home. I'm running to his car to try not to get drenched, and I wipe out in the parking lot in front of all the baseball players. One of them is laughing so hard. Dusty, I'll never forget. He puts his head on his horn. Oh, and everybody, and I mean, I'm just... And then you're trying not to cry, but my knees, I still have the scars. Knees all skinned up, ripped my jeans. It was, I mean, it was really bad wipeout, but so embarrassing. And um, so that's one of those um, fun ones from high school. But so that's, so that's my memorable was that was that story supposed to be traumatic? Because it actually sounds you know, very it, traumatic. It bordered on like in the beginning, I was laughing, and then when she started talking about the scars and the ripped pants, yeah, I also felt guilty story. about laughing. Like, oh, this is yeah. serious, and she knew him by name, so I wonder I what Dusty's up to. Yeah. yeah. See, man, so yeah. For the record, when she said that she was the manager of the baseball team to meet boys, I did not use any references about first base or second base or anything like that. So. Um, I refrain from doing that. It's called you great restraint. Yes, I'm really proud of you. All right. How about you, Miss Cuevas? A funny or memorable story from school? So mine is also from high school. It was sophomore year, and I was taking Spanish class, and I happened to um, make a friend who was actually a native, um, well, she spoke Spanish fluently, and so the teacher thought that I also spoke Spanish, even though I didn't, I just, you know, was with my friend. And so we would do all of our work like on a Monday. And then for the whole rest of the week, she would let us leave her class and go up to the art class. And so we'd leave, we'd go to the art class, and this is another interesting thing. So um, advanced art class, there was a couple of kids that were allowed to work in a completely separate room without any adult supervision. And uh, they were building like a house, like a paper mache house. So we would go into this room where they were working and, and we would mess around. And I noticed that there was a phone in this room and i just so happened to be talking to um a male person in kentucky <laughs> i don't know where this is going i'm taking notes <laughs> I was like, There's chapter no two <laughs> I was like, there's no way that 
this school phone will work. And it did. And then I was like, there's no way this school phone will let me call long distance. And it did. So I would um, spend my time up there and I would call long distance to Kentucky and um, talk to this male person and just hang out. Yeah. I have um, a follow-up question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you meet a male person from Kentucky? So he um, was actually in the, um, well, he was older, so this, I don't know. He was in the- I have another follow-up question. <laughs> How much older and did your parents know? Um, yes, my mom did know uh, because he was in the Navy with my brother. So he had exited the Navy and then moved back to his hometown, which was in Kentucky. And so we, you know, talked and wrote letters to each other because this was you know letter writing time but yeah and then there was the high school phone so it's completely innocent yeah <laughs> i had another follow-up question about where would there be a naval base in kentucky but you clarified that yes, um, by yes, saying he had yes. gone back home to kentucky yes oh my gosh all right so that brings us to the second question on our quiz and we'll start with you again renee what's the best job that you've had outside of education my favorite job was when I was in college, the first job I got on campus was working at the library there at Ball State. And the best part was I worked in um, educational resources, which was where all the teacher materials were. So all of the books, you know, for lesson planning and realia was a big thing. Um, for so, those listeners that aren't in education, realia is a fancy word we use <laughs> that just means stuff. I know, but that's what it was called. Oh, Check out library. Like it was called realia. So yeah. when you looked it up. And um, so I got really good at shelving books. And then anytime I was planning lessons to go into classrooms, I could just go to work and get stuff I needed for whatever and then return it, you know, when I went back to work. And, it, you know, being at the college, it was a nice job, too, because I always worked around your class schedule. So you work an hour here or a couple hours there. Um, and it was great. And I met um, one of my good friends I met working there. And then she and I um, joined the same sorority. And so I made, of course, a huge group of friends. Um, based on that, but I would not have had an hour at the library. So, interesting, you learn about people. Yeah, I worked I at the library that. for two years as a student at Cal State San Bernardino. I loved it. I worked in the basement. There was no reality. <laughs> it was it was very different. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to build, you know, build shelving and and uh, you know, yeah. meet people. Easy job. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Easy job. Work on your schedule. That's great. What about you, Chrissy? Best job outside of education. Um, so most of my jobs outside of education had to do with um, animals, pets, like working in the pet store or vet hospitals. So my favorite one was this vet hospital down in Fullerton called um, Sunnycrest. And um, oh, so many stories, so many stories. But um, obviously working as a vet tech, you get shots. Um, you um, take temperatures on animals, which is interesting because it's not in the mouth, like, you know, humans. Um, let's see, there's um, all sorts of different things. But one of the, 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 the best stories that I can tell from this, and um, Chris might understand why I like this story so much as we get into it, but my cat at the time had a whole bunch of, like, weird red spots on her chin. And so I brought her in for the vet to take a look at her, and he was like, oh, she has kitty acne, which I didn't know was a thing at the time. 
And so he proceeded to, we had to hold her down, but he proceeded to squeeze her chin and all of her little kitty acne. Those are called kitty zitties, by the way. <laughs> all of her uh, kitty acne got popped. And so um, she, of course, didn't like it very much, but um, it was incredibly interesting for those of us who had no idea what that was. Like Can you say Dr. Kitty Pimple Popper? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah, 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 that's what exactly. Christy was alluding to. We had a discussion. Uh, for our listeners, Christy is my current assistant principal, so I got to hear about her fascination with the show, Dr. Pimple Popper, and um, note to yourselves, don't look up anything to do with that show while you're eating your lunch. No. It's it's exactly what you think it would be. It's it's disgusting. Okay, so now it's time for our last question of the quiz, and this time, Christy, I'll start with you. Uh, what is a skill, talent, or a hobby of yours that would might surprise your students or colleagues? I had difficulty thinking of this one, and I actually had to ask Carrie because I was like, I don't know, I don't I don't know what kind of skills I have, <laughs> and so she reminded me of acting. Um, I did a lot of acting in high school. And then even in college, um, one of my friends was like an amateur filmmaker. He was in like film school in college. And so um, he made little movies. And one of the movies was actually on Amazon. Um, and you, you can't see it anymore at this moment in time, so I'm not afraid to mention it. But um, it was like a, a super corny, cheesy, like zombie movie. It's called Chip and Bernie's Zomance. Like zombie and <laughs> <laughs> so Are you forgetting the part where you were actually in the movie? Yes, I was in the movie. Can we please fact check fact that? Check, yeah. Fact check. <laughs> we need to find a clip. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere. Zomance. I, I'm even listed as one of the cast members on Amazon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We have a celebrity among us. Do yeah. you have an IMDb page? I think I don't have one, oh. no. But I think, the, I think the movie might have one. I'm pretty sure... Um, the filmmaker does too. So we will have to fact. You know, we've been talking about getting our first celebrity on the podcast. Check that box. <laughs> Mission accomplished. As close as we've got so far. <laughs> All right, Renee, can you top that skill, talent, or hobby that might surprise students or colleagues? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I had the similar issue she had. I didn't think to ask other people. That was a good idea. Um, I don't know that I have anything that would surprise anyone. So I think for me, the hobby, and I don't do this now as much as an administrator as I did before, uh, but I really like to take pictures. I always have. I got it from my dad. He also always liked to take pictures. And you remember back in the day when you had to just randomly take stuff and then wait to have it developed to <laughs> see um, right. what it looks like. And, and just um, naturally, I think I did a pretty good job. I never did anything you know, with photography besides that. But leading into that, I really like scrapbooking. And I used to spend a lot of time, I still have tons of stuff in my house to complete scrapbooking from all of the pictures I have. But now, of course, I do a lot more of a digital because then you have to print, you know, the pictures out. And so I do a lot of like Shutterfly, the little books that you make. Um, so I don't know if it's surprising or not because anybody who's in my office knows I have a wall of pictures every year that I change out every year for new ones just because I like to have my friends around me at work. Nice. Nice. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. So our topic for today is managing change. Uh, I figure it's appropriate um, navigating the last about 10 months, 11 months now um, through the COVID pandemic, trying to change how we 
teach our kids, how we interact with our staff. Uh, we just kind of wanted to reflect on changes that maybe we've all had uh, in our own lives and in pro our professional lives. Uh, I know we talk about change a lot in the context of uh, as leaders where you are creating change. Uh, like if you take over, uh, like uh, Renee, you just became a new principal, or whenever we go to um, a new situation, um, you want to create change. But this is more our conversation for today is going to be around managing change. So how how we do that? Uh, so who, I know Eric, you mentioned it earlier that one thing that Christy and Renee have in common is that you both have had the experience working at an elementary school and at the junior high level. So maybe talk a little bit about the differences in the the change you had to go through in those two different situations. Um, so I was a special ed teacher. So I really taught all grade levels when I was at Mesa. And um, some things I started to hear as my sixth graders would transition into seventh grade when uh, we would have those meetings was about this co-teaching that they were doing at Cedar. And so when a position became available, I thought, you know, that might be something I'd be interested in. And it was, I loved it. And, but it was scary going from the littles um, who mostly want to please you and then to, to junior high, which is definitely a different personality. Many of them still do want to please you, but you also have a lot of um, sarcastic, because, um, you know, they're just starting to learn their personalities. So they're trying things out. <laughs> and, and many times they're trying those out on the adult <laughs> to see how, you know, if they can get a rise out of us or let's try this. Um, anyway, it was, it was definitely scary because I had made a lot of friends at, at Mesa and, and still have many of those friends. Um, but it, it's just one of those things where I just knew as a special ed teacher, I would get to work with more, you know, more kids because at the junior high you have, you know, every period you have new students. And so that was kind of part of the appeal and it was interesting and I loved it and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But when it came time for admin, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to go back to elementary. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's kind of my journey into junior high. How about you, Christy? Anybody who knows me knows I, I don't like change, but I also need change every couple of years. So usually that manifested itself in like weird color hair or um, uh, things of that nature. Um, and when I first got into teaching subbing, I subbed at the junior high a couple of times and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so boring, like teaching the same thing six times a day, you know, it was like, Ugh. So I went into elementary and then um, really liked it. But then as it is, I, I wanted a change. And the team that I was on at the time um, was going to be changing because uh, Carrie had gotten uh, an admin position. And then one of the other teachers, she was going to a different elementary school. And so I was like, hey, let's let's try junior high school. It's different. The kids are older. Um, and there was some history positions open, which is what I have um, uh, another credential in. So I ended up going to Hesperia Junior High School. And so I wasn't scared at all. I, I was ready. I was ready for the change. I was ready for the, the older kids. Um, and it also was good because the principal at the time, Lisa Kelly, she had actually been a teacher at the high school that I went to when I was a high school student. So I already knew who she was and she knew me as well. 
Um, and I knew some of the teachers on the campus as well because they came from um, elementary school too. So the difficult thing was when I got there, they were starting elective classes. And so I got there and I realized that I had not only history to teach, which I was you know, new to the curriculum on that, but I also had two electives, which had no curriculum, no structure, no anything. So I had to build those electives from the ground up. Anything to do with um, feline skin conditions? <laughs> no, no, no. Although that would have been, somebody else already had that one. <laughs> Mistaken. So, um, no. So I actually had the peer mentor class, which was probably one of the best things I've ever done in my career. Um, was have that that class with those kiddos and then a service learning class which was having these teenagers become more involved in the community which was also really really rewarding so um, and like like Renee said yeah you you have attitudes or whatever with these these kids but teenagers are different um, or almost teenagers are, are different from the little ones because they get your jokes, they get your sarcasm, um, they they really like you being witty or, you know, coming back at them with certain things. And they know if you genuinely care about them. And if you genuinely care about them and their well-being and everything, they are just the loveliest people. Um, on on the planet, so I, I love middle school kids. What are your and thoughts, Eric? I know that um, you know you've we've all gone uh, from being teachers into administration, and obviously that's a huge change on a number of levels. So, uh, Eric, uh, let's kick it to you. What are your thoughts on transitioning to a new job? Uh, yeah, you know it's interesting. I, I what, something that Christy said kind of resonated with me. Is something I didn't realize about myself until. Gosh, probably just, you know, maybe the last five or six years is that notion of I, too, I get bored and kind of need that change. And, I, you know, I, when I left the classroom, I had been in the classroom for 10 years. And it was at that, that time I realized that that was the longest I had ever spent in any one job, any one position. Uh, and over my life, it seemed to be that every three to five years I was on to do something different. Um, because I just, um, it's not that I stop loving what I'm doing, um, but you kind of get that yearning. I don't know how to describe it. of just like wanting to explore something new, see what else is out there, those kinds of things. So, um, <clears throat> that certainly resonated with me. And I was an assistant principal for about five years before I became principal. And now I'm in my fifth year as a principal, which has been just a blur, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, you always want something new, a new challenge and, uh, uh, this job certainly gives you that <laughs> yeah. on a daily basis, um, which, you know, certainly is highlighted by our topic today. Yeah. And, and I just uh, uh, moved to a new school, uh, oh, geez, almost a year ago now, last uh, February, uh, middle of the year and about three weeks pre-pandemic. Uh, and so I got a chance and that was the third elementary school that I had been principal of. So I had gotten used to being able to manage the change for me personally. But when you go to a new site, um, what, what's helped me with it is always trying to think about what's worked in the past, not try to move too quickly because, you know, I was at Cottonwood for nine years and we made a lot of progress and brought in a lot of new things over nine years. So when I go to a new school, it's really important to remember that, that you can't make nine years worth of change in your first year at a new school. You've got to allow that process to happen. 
So what I've always tried to do in those situations is try to reflect on what's worked before, um, stay, you know, kind of pace yourself. Uh, and I, I reflect, I, we're going to mention Mike Robbins, we probably do in every ap episode. Um, but he, one of the things that he said when he spoke to our district, and in fact, he actually had to put it into play on stage, uh, whenever you're faced with a change that is difficult or challenging, you want to say, why is this happening to me? Well, uh, Mike had kind of reframed it to say, why is this happening for me? And in the midst of that presentation, I think his microphone went out. And as soon as the mic kicked back up, he said, why is this happening for me? It was a brilliant ad lib. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, and that's been harder to do uh, going to a new school. You know, I was there three weeks and then we shut down. So here we are almost a year later. And I don't know a whole lot of the kids yet, that at least that I've had a personal face-to-face -face conversation. Uh, so, so just managing that change, getting to know everybody, um, trying to stay as positive as possible. It's all really important. Um, but yeah, you just reflect on what's worked before uh, and how can I work that into to this new situation. And I, I think, you know, we can kind of transition from that. You know, we're in, we're still in the midst of, of the pandemic and that has changed education 1000%. So I think now would be a good time to kind of have the, have a conversation about how we've dealt with it, what we've seen, the, the challenges that we faced uh, and the positives. Can we uh, just make a note though, fact check. It's 1,000%, is that a real number? You read my mind. Thank you. You guys have been doing this too long. Yeah, all right. Yeah, certainly, that's kind of where we came up with this this topic, right? It was, yeah. I mean, no, diff no more change have we experienced than we are right now in education, um, all over education. So um, kind of curious to hear what your thoughts are on uh, you know how that how that change has impacted you as an administrator, um, and how it's impacted how you support your uh, your school community. Let either one of you jump in on that. Well, I can start. Um, first of all, I want to mention going from teaching to assistant principal was really, really, really hard. Much harder than going from AP to principal because you literally don't know your job. And our district, luckily, has a great support system, so that was not an issue. You had tons of people, tons of resources, and I've been around a while, so I know a lot of people. So that part was okay, but it was really challenging. In my first year as AP, we had those fires. So school started, we had like two days, and then we were shut down for 30. Remember and when then, that was a big problem? Yeah. Three whole days? <laughs> what are we going to do? How are we going to make yeah. this up? <laughs> and then now my first year as principal, <laughs> we haven't opened schools yet. So, um, Maybe it's your fault. Yeah, I, I could be the jinx. <laughs> it might be me. Great. <laughs> Next time she gets promoted, I'm going under the table. That's right. <laughs> In the fetal position. I'm just going to stay there until I get the all clear. Oh, no, um, yeah, so, but I, it is, you know, even though I know our staff at Cottonwood from being there for four years, trying to support them in this time is really difficult just you know trying to figure out what it is that they need because they don't even know at the beginning none of us even knew you know what we needed and what would be helpful and then same with the families i think to me that's the hardest part is while i know a lot of our families we also have new kids who've moved in who i only know you know by name if, if they happen to stop in the office to pick up their chromebook and and um just not knowing it's not seeing them every day. It's really hard to assess where they are well-being wise, you know, how they're doing without seeing them. And I think that's the hardest part of all of it is, try, you know, still trying to reach out to the community, still trying to do positive things, but just not 
having that feedback, just the visual feed, just seeing the kids and the families every morning or every afternoon. I think that's the biggest yeah. challenge for me. Now, I want to follow up on something you said, too, about, um, you know, most of the time, at least in our district, when an assistant principal moves into a principal position, more often than not, they move to a different school. Correct. Not that it never happens, but it's more rare that an assistant principal at a site is promoted to principal at that same site. So the question that I had for you, Renee, is do you see any difference in how the staff is treating you as the principal as from when you were an AP? I don't think so. And I honestly think that's probably because you were gone at, you know, you had already left for you. And so I was kind of already playing both parts. And so it was kind of a natural progression. Um, but I do see um, some of some of the people that typically came to me for things, some of them are now going to Mr. Portney, which is fine and great because I'm just, I don't want them to leave him. I don't want them to leave him out. I, mm. He has valuable. Mr. Portney is your AP yes, currently. Yes, Thank you. Yeah, well, he came in during the pandemic, so the staff really hasn't gotten to know him right. like they yeah. normally would. And so me, so that, you know, in our staff meetings, one of the very first staff meetings we did was a cahoot all about him, just so they could kind of get to know him personally. Um, and, you know, and so that is, so it's the teachers that come on campus, you know, interact with him here and there, but um, not like in a normal day where we'd be out on campus and, and talking to teachers and talking to kids. And, um, so it's difficult, which I can imagine for you, yeah. being at a new site is also difficult. We're getting there. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Um, you have to get to you know, you interact with people different ways. Uh, and Christy, uh, kind of to talk to you about, I know you're really involved with the instructional piece at our school. Um, what have you seen? Uh, that's been significant in the way that our teachers are delivering instruction and then uh, how the kids are interacting. Our teachers were trained pretty heavily in um, Kagan, so um, which is a lot of uh, collaboration, student talking to each other, um, student choice, um, a lot of responses. And so they really had to kind of figure out how to do that same kind of um, instruction and collaboration with students, but through a distance learning model, which has been difficult for them. And so because the kids on the screen, especially this year, it's not like last year where the kids had already known each other and built relationships with their teacher and the other kids. This time they're in classrooms with kids that they may not know, teachers they've never met before. And so to get them to speak up and actually talk to either each other or the or the teacher has been difficult. And so the teachers have been really kind of inventive um, with with using breakout rooms or Jamboard or um, Kahoot or even some of the the Kagan strategies online um, because there is like Kagan that you can do on the computer. Um, so that's been really important to them, but they've had to figure out how to get that risk taking piece from the students because they Kagan is is about taking risks too for the students talking and, and such. So to, to kind of have that translate to distance learning. Right. And I know that one of the things obviously that we're dealing with is the impact that this has had on families. I mean, everybody's lives have been disrupted uh, by the pandemic. Uh, and because of that, we've all seen that different kids have a different level of interaction with the school based on some of the things that are going at home, going on at home. So we've seen everything from, 
you know, kindergartners and first graders who have a whole little corner set up in the living room with all this stuff. And, you know, they're getting a very as close experience to the real school setting as, as you can. And then you have other kids who might be fourth, fifth, sixth grade, or certainly a junior high in high school that are on their own and managing as they go and they don't have the support. So trying to be um, equitable and, you know, keep everybody equally engaged is almost impossible. Eric, what are your thoughts on that? And what have you been doing at your school to help? I, I agree. Um, and, you know, one of the thoughts I had as I'm listening to the ladies respond to that question about, you know, change and pandemic and being specifically being an administrator, one of the things that has been most challenging for me, but I also think it's been a great opportunity for growth is as principals and administrators, we've all had to learn how to be really vulnerable. And what I mean by that is we've been living in such an uncertain constantly changing environment for the last 10 months, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've all been in that situation where literally you tell your staff one thing and 20 minutes later your email's like, nope, <laughs> that changed, right? Um, so it's constantly going back and trying to, you know, I've tried to be very, um, I don't know, use the word protective of staff and, and only share what I feel like they really need to yeah. know because it changes. And I don't want to be constantly giving them information that's evolving and changing. That can be very frustrating for people. So really trying to pick my spots and when do I feel like, okay, now's a good time to share this out because it looks like it's not going to change. Or um, And then the second piece to that is very difficult and just not having answers. You know, as principals and APs, we, we take pride in being able to support people. That's what we do, right? And sometimes, especially now, it, I've had to learn a lot how to say, I don't know. Um, I don't know when we're going to reopen school. I don't know when hybrid's going to start. I don't know, um, you know, if it's six feet or four feet between desks. I don't, you, know, because, you have to wear the mask and the yeah, shield. Or, or the, the shield and the mask. Shield, or, you know, yeah, yeah. If, you're in, if you're in first grade and your birthday starts with the letter F, then you wear a mask. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so for me, that's been the most difficult part. And, you know, in addition to that, just, you know, I think we all get into this business. We just love people. We love kids. We love people. I mean, Renee said it earlier, I miss kids yeah. so much. You know, there was a short time we had some cohorts going before Christmas yeah. and, you know, not mingling, but like peering through the window and waving <laughs> at kids, giving them little air hugs. Yeah, and it was so refreshing, and, but I equally miss staff too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's almost weird because I'll see somebody walk by my office and it's like, hey, 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 how you doing? You good? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Try to kind of lure them in, just have a conversation. Yeah, no, you know, absolutely. Just, can, can, can you give me five minutes? I just want to check. Yeah. You know? so, so, yeah, but that's, that's been the most difficult part, but supporting people when you're in an uncertain time and just missing that connection. Yeah, and on top of all that, the health of our staff. Um, right. Because we're at a point now where I think, uh, I can't speak for all of our sites, but I would imagine that there's been people that have tested positive for COVID, probably at least at every school. I know we've had a handful at our school. So just to make sure that you follow the protocols, who's been exposed, who has a potential contact, uh, keeping them at home until it's all safe, just kind of doing the best we can with the stress of that. It's just a lot going on. So as we always try to do here at Alone With Our Principles, we'll try to spin this positively. What are we learning through this process that we'll be able to keep with us um, when things uh, get back to the way we're used to? I will not use the phrase new normal moving forward. To me, it's bleak. It makes it sound like new normal. No, that's different. I want the old normal differently. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it makes perfect sense. I want the things to go back. old normal differently. Yeah. Okay. I don't like the phrase new normal. So anyway, therefore, it's, it's not new. normal. Right. Exactly. Different new normal is not normal. Yeah. It's going to be the old normal differently. That's a great question. Christy, why don't you start with something that you think you or as administrator or your staff might take from this and leverage um, in the, uh, what is it, uh, normal but different? In, in, the new, in, the, in, in the old normal differently. There you go. Well, I know as a teacher, we were always told you have to be flexible. <laughs> 
you have to be flexible as a teacher. Like if a lesson isn't going right, you, you might have to switch gears. And I think some of us are like, oh yeah, we're flexible. Well, this has a whole new meaning of flexible, like what Eric was saying about, you know, 20 minutes later, it might change or whatever. And so, um, especially teaching, you know, our, our teachers, the district's teachers, they've had to figure out how to be flexible and how to teach differently. And I know right before I left the classroom um, at the junior high level, I had been thinking about like flipped classroom, uh, about doing the flipped classroom to be able to better assist my students in person while, you know, while we were actually in class. And so I think if anything, this has shown um, our teachers and our students that, you know, students' voices need to be heard a little bit more, um, the ones who are struggling and what they're struggling with the old style of teaching is not necessarily the most effective where, you know, the teacher does a lesson and, you know, lectures or whatever, and then you might help the students for 15, 20 minutes before you have to move along. Um, you know, this way, the kids doing assignments online, but then during their meetings, actually having those discussions about the material and what they specifically need help with. And so having those lessons and those conversations tailored more to what students actually need assistance with. Um, and some need more challenging and some need, you know, a little bit more um, help with with other things, I think that that's one of the most positive things that we can take out is that we need to kind of flip how, you know, in-person learning is done. And, and this has kind of shown us how to do that. All right. Another thing I think we're going to need to, uh, um, a benefit that we'll have is I know that using Zoom, uh, like we like we said in our fake commercial at the beginning, uh, a year ago, nobody knew what it was. Uh, and now we use it every day. We're using it at this very moment because Christy is working remotely today. So she's zooming in to our uh, Lime Street studios. Um, but yeah, I mean, personally, I, I look forward to it to where you can meet with parents that can't come into the school. Just uh, send them the Zoom link and have a Zoom parent meeting or kids that are out that day, kids that might be um, out of state for whatever they can still engage with their with their teacher and with their classroom there's going to be a lot of positive opportunities to use um, to use zoom and that's just kind of one example what else are we thinking well it's so funny you say that because in indiana i have obviously lots of teacher friends that we all went to college together and um some of them had been telling me the last couple of years about one of the things they've done to combat snow days um and one of the things they started was these e-learning days so that they can make up the school day. Okay, it's, it's a snow day, but it's e-learning day. So they stopped the log. So they've been doing that for a couple of years. And then last year, before the pandemic, they had worked it into their calendar where I think, I don't know how often, maybe two or three times a year, they have professional development days that are e-learning days. So teachers can put things on the Google Classroom and then we as a site could have a whole professional development with your whole site. And so I'm hoping that that will be part of the old normal, but different. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to is now teachers are going to be more comfortable with how to do that, except they only have to plan for one day. It's not a, a giant deal. Um, and then I'm with you if kids are traveling or, you know, yeah. um, somebody comes home from the military and yeah. they want to spend that time, they could still keep up on their work. 
digitally. And so I think that's going to be a great um, piece moving forward that will benefit a lot of our students and families. So, you know, I think that um, this situation has certainly highlighted a lot of inequity in our students' lives and how some have so much more access to resources than others. And uh, I think that for a lot of our teachers, they've gotten kind of a, a window into that and being in households and seeing what students are experiencing and going through and just that notion that you know wi-fi is not a it's not an accessory anymore it's a utility it's something that is so critical to what we're trying to do uh hoping that you know in the near future that infrastructure in every city every community every household is built up so that every student can have that because then you start to think of the possibilities and how we can reach students no matter where they are and be able to access that and you know the other thing i was going to say is our teachers, I am so blown away by the resiliency that our teachers have shown. Um, you know, I have teachers that that would admittedly, you know, have averted and avoided technology in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they fought as long as they could, and then March 13th hit, and they realized that they no longer had a choice. There was no other option. Yeah. Um, and to see those teachers, um, their stories are some of my favorite to watch the way that they have grown. Um, their PLCs have strengthened because they've had to rely on each other yeah. uh, to get support for those things. Uh, they figured out ways to be creative with, uh, you know, the Google's platforms and Zoom and just all kinds of things and using digital resources, not just to supplement or supplant learning, but to enhance learning, uh, to deepen uh, DOK, depth of knowledge for students. So uh, it's exciting, but it's scary because, you know, as you talk about normal but different, yeah making sure that we don't just go back. It's like, thank God that yeah. pandemic thing is over. Now I can go back to what I was doing versus, you know, how do we how do we leverage what we've learned because we've all learned tons to enhance what we do for our students every day post-pandemic, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I feel like everybody's gotten better. I mean, the teachers that were already proficient in technology have now figured out different platforms and different ways to, uh, to hone in on how that's going to help their students. And for, like you say, Eric, uh, for the teachers that maybe weren't proficient, they had no choice. And some of the growth that I think we've all seen in our staff members that may have been reluctant, uh, it's it's inspiring to see that, you know, um, that they are able to do it. And hopefully, uh, and, well, I know I have all the confidence that they're going to be able to continue doing that. I had, uh, I'm going to brag on one of our staff just real quick, just because it just happened yesterday. And uh, our librarian sent us an email and she had created her own website for the library. And she will tell you, she's not a person who ever had any desire to create a website, but because she's had the time and she's had the resources, the abilities to, to work with other staff and her family, uh, she created it. And, and I was I was almost brought to tears when I saw it. I was so excited for her and for our community because it's going to benefit them. Um, and, uh, you know, she was having her son help her on figure out how to how to add her YouTube link onto her website. And, and so they're taking on these challenges and they're doing it uh, with kind of an excitement and really just like you see joy of like, oh my gosh, I figured it out. It works. And so yeah. anyway, it's just, just it's pretty so, cool. So yeah, so that was a good conversation about change. And, you know, uh, I don't know who to give credit to this uh, for this quote, but to say the only thing constant is change. And and I think 2020 and moving into 21 uh, has, has definitely illustrated that for us. For sure. Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Buick. All right, so we talked about a lot of stuff today, a lot of a lot of difficult stuff about change, what we're going through. So we always like to finish our podcast with some fun, and so we give uh, we give all uh, credit to our creative process with uh, Mr. Chris over there and coming up with these extra credit questions because I certainly couldn't. Question for you today is a good one: What TV character 
is most like you this one was very difficult for me i realized i really haven't watched tv since the 80s so i had to, i had to go back a ways for this one but i'm excited i don't know who wants yeah, to go well, first and I, I gotta say that, that when i when i thought of this you can go two ways with it because i think unless i'm mistaken when we're describing ourselves as a tv character we're all going to pick somebody that's nice and positive and funny i mean nobody's gonna say i'm most like streets you know, I mean, no offense, Dustin Diamond, if you're listening. Um, but but then I thought, well, maybe we can, since we all know each other pretty well, we can all uh, talk about who somebody else reminds us of. But then you don't want anybody to be insulted. You know, you pick somebody that they don't necessarily like. So we're just going to kind of wing this and say, who who do we relate to or who do we think is most like us? So, um, yeah, so we'd like to start. You know, I'll go first because I'm pretty right. boring. I'm sure we'll get better from there. Uh, I, I'll try to keep the self-deprecating to a minimum. But uh, like I said, this one was a struggle for me. You know, I was literally Googling and searching like TV characters from different decades. And, you know, the only thing I learned is like there's a lot of shows out there I don't watch. And so I just I don't know. So I'm, I'm going to dig back to my childhood for this one because this was a character who uh, was definitely part of my childhood in this, the sitcom uh, days and you know I religiously waited for the show to come out and watched it because there was there was, it was funny and it was a little bit raunchy but it was also uh, there was that family element to it that, that you couldn't escape and so I'm going with uh, Dan Connor from Roseanne uh, you know uh, he uh, was not perfect but he was a hard worker he always worked to support his family he was a good dad um, he was able to effectively balance work, uh, home life, and his personal interests. You know, he liked working on motorcycles and had his friends, but his family always came first. Just be that. Uh, he was a great example for his kids. Uh, you know, multiple episodes when he was having sit-down hard-to-hearts with, with his son, DJ, and the girls, um, talking about very sensitive topics at times. Uh, he was hilarious, uh, had a great sense of humor, very laid back, just never took anything too seriously. Um, but uh, he, he loved junk food and he loved sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is quoted in one uh, publication as being one of the highest rated TV dads of all time. And although him and him and Roseanne, you know, they had this kind of relationship where they, their banter could get pretty ugly at times. They could be pretty hard on each other. But anytime there was a true real crisis or difficult challenge in the Connor family, uh, they always found a way to pull together and and focus on what was important, keeping their family together. That, so. That's a great one. Yeah, that's I a think great he was one. a Cubs so, fan too. Just saying. They were in Chicago, so yeah, hey, Cubs, hey, Bears, hey. Um, you know. And so uh, you know, I, I guess it's more like an aspiration. Like if I can be all those things I just yeah. listed, then that's a win for me. Right. So. What about you, Renee? Oh gosh. So I also had hard a hard time and, and didn't think of googling and and trying all that, but because Friends was such a big part of my life in college and after, and then at Mesa, we did lots of quotes. Wait, should we predict what she's going to oh, say? It's funny because when we were thinking about if we assigned, <laughs> if we assigned somebody else, oh, no. I think we're going to say, I think I, anyway, okay. I'm going to go Phoebe. Oh. Absolutely. No, no. no <laughs> way. See, this is why we don't do this. No, right. funny is I thought about Phoebe. I really did, but she's almost a little too out there for me, although I Smell talk a lot like she does. Yes. And my favorite quote of hers, when you die, you can put whatever you want on your gravestone. Phoebe Buffay, buried alive. That's <laughs> my favorite. That's my favorite. So I'm not like that because I don't think I'm as witty as she is. But I think, and this is not necessarily a good trait, it's not at all, is Monica now, not the cooking part, because as you know, <laughs> I don't cook or bake or do any of those things. But um, she's very competitive and not a good loser. Yes, yes. And those are both not proud things, but very much I'm very competitive. I do not like to lose. 
And some of my friends who, thank goodness, don't work at the school district have seen that side, and it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, you know, I get it from my mother. Sorry, Mom. Um, I remember when we were growing up and we would play games, my dad would never play board games and stuff with us. And, and at some point she goes, yeah, your dad stopped playing games with me about two years after we got married. <laughs> so she's also very competitive, and so I think I got it, honestly. But I, that was kind of where I went, because she's so rigid, doesn't like the change, and I don't like change either, although I also do know that I need it um, once in a while, and it does help you grow, um, but competitive and, you know. So I have to ask real quick, because as she's talking about this, yeah. you're like mm -hmm. laughing and nodding yeah. and affirmation. So there's got to be a story there about Renee's competitive side. You know what? Honestly, I haven't. I never really saw I that. We were together for like four years, and, and I, I never really saw. I, I totally believe it, yeah. but but I never, I don't think I ever witnessed that part sure. firsthand. But you but from the games. other things, from from things needing to kind of be a certain way and being, uh, let's or put a positive spin on that, being comfortable with your routine. Yeah. Um, I definitely see some Monica uh, connections yeah. as well. So you're up, Christy. Okay, so this one was really hard for me as well. Um, so, you know, thinking thinking to all, because I'm a big TV show watcher, so me too. maybe that's why. But um, so the one that I thought is um, there was a sitcom called um, Life in Pieces, and it was on for four seasons, but there is um one of the wives on there her name is um jen and she's married to uh tom hanks's son i forget his name colin colin colin, colin yes yeah. okay so and every time we watch that show me and my husband jc we'd be like oh my gosh this is so us this is this is just us because he's she's kind of um uh, what's a good neurotic neurotic might be a good word like yeah. Monica. Like Monica. <laughs> so, just very she's a little bit OCD but she's also she has a career but then she's a mother and then she's a wife and then they spend a lot of time with the in-laws and so there's that whole dynamic um, and so I just kind of yeah thought about myself in terms of, of her just kind of juggling things but also being very like no don't do it like that do it like this and yeah i have to look um, it up yeah well yeah it's it's a hilarious show. it's so yeah hilarious. i don't think i've heard of that one mm -hmm. i've heard of it but i have not watched it well, mine was was interesting that we were preparing for this episode. Uh, I had chosen a character, wrote a couple of pages in notes, went back and watched some clips from the show. And then on my drive over here, I totally changed my mind and picked somebody else. Uh, so the first one that I was going to do was Hawkeye Pierce from MASH, mm -hmm. um, because what that character was known for was working in a very traumatic situation, but always finding time for humor and making light of things just to help with his own sanity. And, and I think... I do that from time to time. That had uh, nothing to do with the drinking? Wasn't there drinking in MASH? Uh, probably. <laughs> um, probably. But, uh, but I, you know, then I thought about another show that I've watched way more recently, Modern Family, yeah. uh, which is one of my favorite shows ever. And, you know, my wife and I watched it. We binged that at some point. We were watching it every week um, and made up all the episodes, all the seasons that we had missed going in. And Phil Dunphy, um, the dad, um, he's known for dad jokes and bad puns and, and all of that. But he's very, he puts a positive spin on everything. Um, he's got his book that he's written called Philosophy, 
Um, <laughs> and, and, and one of his one of his famous statements is, "When life gives you lemonade, make lemons. Life will be all what you know." So it, so so it's things like, right right. It, it's things like that. But there's there was one episode that my wife and I were watching, and Phil and his wife Claire, who's a lot like my wife. Phil is being goofy and pun and all of this, and his wife Claire is just very tolerant. She plays along to an extent, but it wears thin with her. That's my relationship. You can resonate with that. Oh, absolutely. Well, there's one episode that we were watching, and we're watching the scene in the kitchen between Phil and Claire play out, and you ever, you ever sit there, Eric, and you can feel your wife staring a hole in the side of your Almost head. Almost daily. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of looked, and Teresa and I had had that exact argument. Now, what's going on in the episode is um, Phil wakes up, goes downstairs, sees the kitchen is a mess. You know, set broccoli and stuff on the floor, a shattered. Something has gone down overnight. And, and his wife comes down, and she's clearly upset with him. And Phil is like, what's wrong? What's wrong, honey? And then Claire says the, the four words that every husband fears. You should know what. <laughs> like, we should know what she's mad at. But, spoiler alert, women, we don't. We're not playing a game. If we say we don't know why you're mad, we don't know why you're mad. Now, Claire wasn't going to let him off the hook and tell him. So Phil's got to spend <laughs> that whole day replaying the events of the couple days before to figure out what Claire could possibly be mad at him for. He, he remembers that they were, they were on social media and he saw a picture of, a, of an, one of his ex-girlfriends and made a comment about um, how much weight she had lost. So he thought, oh, maybe she's mad about that. I can do it, yeah. Or for dinner before, because remember there was broccoli all over the kitchen, that he says, oh, she asked me to buy cauliflower. I bought broccoli instead of cauliflower. So he thought maybe that's what she was mad at. And then well, another one of his relatives is helping him figure out. And he says, well, I left her a note. She missed a note because I wrote it on a small um, post-it. And the family member, um, Gloria, for those of you that watch the show, was there. Well, why would you write it on a small piece of paper that she's going to miss? Oh, maybe that's what she's mad. So they go on. That whole day goes. And um, what she, what finally when, she, when Claire tells him what she's mad at, she reminds him that the day, a couple days before, uh, Phil was telling a story about how he had lunch with a friend of his at a restaurant, and he ordered this wedge salad. And the wedge salad was the best salad he'd ever had in his life. And Claire was angry because apparently she had been recommending that webs, uh, the wedge salad to him for months and months and months. And her point was, oh, I tell you to do this. I recommend it. You don't want anything to do with it. But your friend tells you to do it. Oh, and now it's the greatest thing ever. You don't take what I say seriously. You mm -hmm. listen to your friends and you don't listen to me. And, you know, Teresa and I have had that fight over yeah, and over. I think we've all been there. Yeah, where it, it's, <laughs> and, and, but the whole, the humor of that episode was You just, were where for lunch? I've been asking to go there for like three months. Exactly. Really? How was it? Was it good? I'm sure it was delicious. No, exactly. Um, yeah, so it's, anyway. Yeah, my Phil Dumpy, just real quick, I have two, because when the show first started, my favorite line was, he's like, yeah, I'm up on all the lingo. I know what the kids, you know, LOL, laugh out loud. And he says, WTF. And I'm like, uh-oh. And he says, why the face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why the face? <laughs> yeah, oh, that was God, a, like, oh, gee, oh, my God, LOL, laugh out loud. Yeah. WTF, why the face? Yeah. Um, you, you really need to watch Smarter Family. Yeah, you, you, that you, sums you him up. That. You know, he's just everything's positive. Why yeah. the face? That's a good one. I'm so out of it. 
I will say, Chris, I think that's pretty good, but I think you're you're far more intelligent than Phil Dumpy. <laughs> uh, Phil's great, though. Uh, he's he's one of my favorite TV characters for sure. So many of these, if you're going sitcoms, so many of these males just pretty much end up to be bumbling idiots. I yeah. went through yeah. three or four that I thought. I want to be that person because they're hilarious, but they're idiots. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can't function. pick him. Yeah, so. All right, well, thank you. That was fun, as always. So um, I think that'll close up this episode. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Renee, for being part of Alone with Our Principles. All right, that brings us, as always, to our fact check with our lovely and talented Carrie Lewis. What do we got, Carrie? Where's my clapping? Last time. And her sidekick, Emmy May. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have only one bit of information that I have fact checked, and that is about... I believe it was termed Zomance. Chip and Bernie. Chip and Bernie Zomance. And that is starring um, Christy Cuevas, uh, your assistant principal. Yes. And if you really want to know more about this, we actually want you to go to our Facebook page because we want you to realize this is our cliffhanger on our podcast. Please go to the Facebook page so you can actually experience the trailer. Yes. Normally we recommend our Facebook page. This time, we're pretty much demanding it. (laughs) We will have a clip from Chip and Bernie's Zomance available uh, shortly after uh, you have this podcast available. It'll be a minute and 45 seconds of your life that you will not regret. (laughs) I was going to say that you will never get back. (laughs) That you will never get back, (laughs) but do it anyway. Right. Uh, So thank you, as always, for listening. So we ask to please take a minute to rate, review, or subscribe to Alone With Our Principles on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, and certainly visit there, again, to see an exit from Chip and Bernie's Zomats. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. still here? It's over. Go home.